Hello and welcome to the 34th episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Green, joined, as always, by our lovely co-host, Chris Jerzine. Chris, say hi. Hi. That was very enthusiastic. I love that. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. That Yeah. Let's that, that, do that was, this. There's the enthusiasm <laughs> we were looking for. I broke through. Uh, so our other lovely co-host, Dave Latham actually will not be joining us for this intro banner. He is doing holiday traveling. We wish him nothing but the best in that pursuit. Um, so just Chris and I today. But no days off. Lo- no days off. Except for Dave. Except for Dave, who actually was the only one to participate <laughs> in our upcoming we interview. We took the day we off that day. Yeah, we, we took the day <laughs> off. We were both working. Um, but Andrew Schwab, who is the Red Sox prospect, he was just taken from the Rule 5 draft, the minor league portion from the Yankees. Uh, Dave will be interviewing him later in the show. It's a great interview, so you got to stick around for that. Get you know in touch with him. He's a pitcher. He, he seems like he's got a pretty decent prospect pedigree, so that's really exciting. Got some good underlying numbers there, and, and that, that will be later in the show. But for now, we're going to be doing the, the banter part, um, which you guys all should know and love, hopefully. If you hate it, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about that. But yeah, not since the winter meetings kind of fizzled out, there really hasn't been too much activity. It's actually been slower than it's I think at any year. point. Yeah, this time of year around like the even, holidays. Even Manny Machado's like, I ain't doing this till next year. And yeah, everybody's just like, just get it over with, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's waiting till 2019 to make his decision when he will inevitably sign with the Yankees. It's crazy, yeah. And it's crazy that, like, there's been no news on Bryce Harper. Like, yeah. zero. Like, he's just gone. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's, like, kind of went went away for a while out of the spotlight. I think the news that with Bryce Harper is that the Dodgers traded Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig and cleared up some money. Um, now people are starting the speculation train that maybe Harper goes to the Dodgers, though that salary dump kind of deal that the Dodgers just did doesn't even you know open up room for them to stand under the luxury tax that they signed Harper. So that'll be interesting, but who really cares? This is a Red Sox podcast, so I care. Deeply. You care, Deeply. and I bet you, I bet you, you know, if, if you like the Red Sox, you probably like MLB at large. So it, it matters, especially because true. Yeah, yeah, Some and people uh, just pay attention to one team. That is true. Yeah. That is true. But when you're competing with these teams, Love it, those it kind, of, yeah, and especially because Machado, especially, has a very good chance of Machado. ending up in New York. That's definitely a topic worth talking about, especially, hopefully, after 2019 when the news of his signing will happen, either with the Yankees, Phillies, White Sox, or a mystery team. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, let's redirect this to Red Sox topics. (laughs) (laughs) And the first one will be Bryce Brents. Bryce Brents, former Boston Red Sox, uh, minor leaguer, played a little bit in the major leagues. He is expected to have a reunion, according to WEEI, Rob Bradford, with the Red Sox. So it's going to be a minor league deal. Not Uh, to be confused with the WWE. Not to be confused with the WWE. That has no relevance. I almost said it. (laughs) Look, I was a big WWE fan back in the day, so it's just kind of like automatic response when I start with the WW. But yeah, so Bryce Brents, probably going to be back in a Red Sox minor league uniform. Hasn't been official yet. Uh, Brents, he left the Red Sox after last season. I believe he got traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates or something to that effect for not really much of anything. They just didn't have room for him. Uh, but Chris, what do you think about this move? And does he have a clear path of 
what his role is going to be. Is there any chance he could find himself on the major league roster at some point? So there is an article out there somewhere in the interweb. I don't, I don't remember where, where I was vehemently <laughs> upset at them trading uh, Bryce Brents. And it was because they have like a billion infielders and they were like, you know what? We're going to get rid of the one guy that could be useful in the outfield. Yeah. And, uh, that, that was my anger about it. That's where my thoughts on Bryce Brett's start and end. Are you still angry? No. Especially if they're going to re-sign him. Yeah, you can't be angry about it now. Cause no. He's, he's going to be here. He's not going to amount to anything. I mean, no. he's your typical, I'm just going to be here guy. So He's still, like, I mean, his, he's, got, he's pretty inept at defense, but he's still got a lot of power. He's still hitting the ball extremely well for a triple-A player. You would think it would probably translate to a round league average offensive like production a, at the major like a, league level. He's a quadruple A player, basically. At this point. Yeah, he's quadruple A. Like yeah. he's not good enough for the majors, but he's too good for triple A. Where the hell do you put him? Nowhere in triple A. Nowhere in purgatory. Yeah, he's in purgatory. Yeah, he's in purgatory. He's just a route. But okay. yeah, Red Sox have Bradley. They have Betts. They have Benintendi. Those three most likely will not go anywhere. Um, J.D. Martinez still gets time in the outfield. Brock Holt is also, you know, versatile utility man, plays the outfield too. It doesn't seem like there's an apparent spot for him to fill. Even Zooey Lynn, I would imagine, would be ahead of him on the depth chart if an outfielder got hurt. I wonder if Bryce Brents will be added to the 40-man roster at some point. I don't think he will. We'll see how spring training goes along, but this is not major news. It's nice to have him back because he does have that offensive potential, but it's nothing more he's, than that. He's 29. Yeah. There's not much. Uh, he's going into thir- year 30, into his year 30, yeah. <laughs> his age yeah. 30, it is a year 30 season. Uh, into his age 30 season. So he actually turns, uh, he turns 30 on December 30th. Wow. Happy early birthday to Bryce Brent. Yeah, Bryce Brent. Good job. Shoot. Yeah. You made, it, happen- you made it 30 years. Well, not yet, but you will have made it 30 years. The big 3-0. You know, next week's episode, we should try to get Brent's on the show. Talk about what he did for his birthday. The Bryce Brent's birthday special. How about that? His, uh, his DMs are not open. We'll find a way. Maybe we send him an email. I don't know how we would do that, but that would be cool. Bryce <laughs> Brent's ha- <laughs> Bryce Brent's happy to have you back should provide some insurance for the outfield at the very least. Um, so the next news that we have here is Andrew Benatendi. So his catch in what was it, game four of the ALCS, where he was bases loaded. I don't even know if it was game four. I might be getting messed up. But the I, Astros had I bases think, loaded. I think it was because it was the difference yeah. between going 2-2 two two and 3-1. Two two yeah, so it's game okay. four. Yeah. Alex Bregman was I up at the plate. You are a wonderful mathematician. mathematician. One plus yeah. one equals two. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. So you learn there something when you do podcasts with mathematicians. Exactly. Yeah, because Dave's a mathematician himself as well. He's probably way better at it than I am. We'll have a math off next episode no, if, we, if we really get bored. Off. If we really get bored, if there's really no news, we can do a math off. Not, he'll, he'll, he'll pick my butt and jot those. <laughs> uh, so, the, yeah. Andrew Benintendi's catch obviously happened with Alex Bregman at the plate. They were Red Sox were up two runs, I believe, and the bases were juiced, two outs in the bottom of the ninth. And Andrew Benintendi made this the diving catch head first with a twenty one percent catch probability to win and save the game. 
it was named, as I just said, AP Play of the Year, and how can it not? Like, what what bigger moment was there in terms of one one play that just completely changed the outlook of the playoffs, completely changed the course of the playoffs? Andrew Benintendi, congratulations. Chris, do you refute this at all? Do you think this should have been named the Play of the Year? Yes. Me too. Good. So there's not much more <laughs> in agreement. to dive into. We're in agreement. Good. No dissension. Uh, there, there is something to dive into that when you had sent me this, um, I thought we were talking about Andrew Benintendi's cat. Um, it cut off. Yeah, because it cut off my phone. I was like, Andrew Benintendi's cat? I was like, what's going on here? Uh, yeah. I, I was disappointed to find out that it was not about his cat, and it was about his uh, his his catch. Um, yeah. I would assume that Andrew Benintendi does not have a cat. You know, life on the road, you're, you're kind of... That is true. I don't know. Cats are pretty good travel buddies. I don't think they're really good travel buddies. They're kind of no, self- they're, they're pretty self sufficient. Like you can, yeah. if you kind of put a cat in there, they'll they'll do their thing. But then I feel like he would have to get someone to watch the cat like all the time. Like hired a helping hand to just you know watch makes, the cat all. He, he makes yeah. he makes enough money. He can do it. Yeah, I know he does, but it just kind of seems frivolous at that point. Well, I want, yeah, I wonder how, what percentage of the baseball population has a cat. You or any sort of high. animal. Yeah, even do- I know uh, David a lot Price of them, has... I was going to say, a lot of them have probably dogs. Cause, like, David they Price have, is Astro, yeah. right? That his name? They're not all Her single. Name? Like, not all the baseball players are single. Yeah. So, like, their wives and family can take care of. Yeah, because I know uh, Ben Intendi is with a girlfriend. Doesn't really matter, but that's uh, right. That's what I heard, but not married. <laughs> I think we the the, the 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 rumor is that he has a girlfriend. Okay, good. Um, moving on. So the Red Sox are the, the I think this was from Mark. Oh, I can't remember who the source was, but the Red Sox are apparently waiting on Kimbrel um, to decide what they do in the relief market. So this kind of contradicts earlier reports that saying the Red Sox were completely out on Kimbrel. Now, this is saying the Red Sox are waiting to see what Kimbrel does, question mark. Um, what does this report mean to you, Chris? And do you think it's feasible that the Red Sox and Craig Kimbrell could have a reunion? I know we've been talking about this for a while, but it just continues to be an interesting storyline. He's like the last major Red Sox free agent that's on the market besides Drew Pomerantz, and we're not going to consider him major. Uh, I'm considering Drew Pomerantz major, and I think... <laughs> I think the Red Sox should just sign somebody else at this point. I don't. I just don't see value in him, especially given payroll and all that. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like unless they're going to come down from like five or four years or whatever. Because um, I think he wants he wants to roll this Chapman contract, which is five years, eighty six million. That's where that's the latest report here that I'm reading. And yeah, but, I just don't see, like, I don't even see him getting comparable to Nathan Evaldi money, at least with the Red Sox, because, like, they just don't, they have the money, but they don't have the ability to with the, the luxury tax. So I, I would just rather them move on from Park Cable and love them, mean it, see you. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I agree. I don't think the Red Sox have really any room for Kimbrel at this point, but for financial wise, um, especially if he's going for the hundred million, which is initially his asking price, and even eighty six million. And I agree, like even if he goes for the Evoldi range, that would be too much for a closer. 
the Red Sox could get someone cheaper, and, it, and it, by all indications, they still are in on David Robertson. Um, but that, again, will be a, a hefty price tag to pay. They got their guy in Nivoldi. They got re-signed Pierce, and now they're just trying to fill the relief and they're market. And they're long. signing, like, a billion guys to, like, minor league contracts. Yeah. There's, like, three or four of them at this point. Five, maybe? There might be five. Are you, yeah, are you talking about relief pitchers or just minor leaguers in general? Relievers. And then they traded for Colton Brewer from the Padres. They traded for probably... Colton Brewer. They signed Ryan Webb. Oh, Ryan Weber? Ryan Webb? Webb. Ex-Oriel? Webb. Weber. Webb. Webby-dee-doo. Webby-doo. Webby-doo? Uh, must be Webby-doo. Yes. I think it is Weber. Ryan Weber. As we frantically search for information about Ryan I th- Weber. I, th- I think it's Ryan Webb. Is it Ryan Webb? I thought it was Ryan Weber. No, I think it's Ryan Webb. I think there is a Ryan Weber. No, it's Ryan Weber. It's is No, it? no, it's Ryan Weber. What? Yeah, is it's it? Ryan Weber. Really? Yeah, hundred percent. Ryan Webb was the ex Orioles, which uh, kind of got me confused. But yeah, Ryan Weber. I did see that they signed him along with Bryce Brents. Um, so he pitched five innings with the Rays last year. Really small sample size, but his strikeout rate was one point six nine. The five oh six year, right? But I mean, like in Triple A with the Rays last year, he was fantastic. So definitely an interesting. You know guy. what's weird is uh, I can't what? find all the recent. Guys that they signed. I can only find, like, Heath Embry, Gortis Hernandez, and Nathan Oh, they, they didn't sign Hernandez. But I don't find, like, the Embry. rash of random dudes that they signed. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll explore it later when we have more time. Maybe maybe one of us can pop out an article or talk about it on next week's episode. But, yeah, there, there are some minor league free agents who do uh, evoke some interest in terms of spring training and, and obviously, depth purposes. So Hernandez, especially. Uh, okay, so we had a Twitter question. And this Twitter question is kind of the question that I just asked. And it's from Jay Welsh. Jay is an awesome Twitter friend of ours. He frequently comments, likes, retweets our stuff. Go follow him at Welch, uh, W-E-L-C-H, 1719 underscore J, J-A-Y. So good follow. And his question is, Chris, is, with Kelly gone and Kimbrell allegedly coming back down to earth with his contract parameters, will the Sox make a more aggressive pursuit? And should they? What other arms are we chasing? I think we tackled the first part of that question pretty well. Um, and we kind of briefly mentioned, I, I think Robertson is who they're chasing. Uh, I, don't think, Chris, I, don't, I don't think they're being aggressive in the relief market at all. It just doesn't, you know? seem, it just doesn't seem like it. No. Like they're kind of being waiting, patient. They're, they're waiting for it all to... to Fizzle out, and then they're going to try to catch. Um, I, mean, I don't want to say bin. I don't want to say leftovers, but it's kind of where they're More at. Of a bargain and not like overpaying for certain guys, which is yeah, been, because that doesn't just, it doesn't work for relievers overpaying. So. It doesn't work for really anybody. I mean, it works in some sense for certain guys where you want for like, the players, not for the team. That's true. I mean, if it's a one-year contract, it's an overpay. That's fine. Oh, yeah, that doesn't like, really hurt anyone. But I'm talking multi-year, long contracts. Yeah, like, like Robinson. Like Craig Kimbrell's going to get, or yeah. David Robertson might get. Yeah, exactly. I don't think... I don't think... I just don't think that the Craig Kimbrell, if you give him five years and you're aggressive about that, that it's going to end well. Yeah, me neither. And, and I still think the Red Sox might have some peripheral interest in just a little bit of interest, at, at the very least, in trying to see what Zach Burton's going to cost. 
I'm not a big fan of Britain. I think he has definitely lost ticks off of his stuff, and that's really affected because he's he's basically a one pitch pitcher. He's a and, bum. Yeah, without the velocity <laughs> there, it's kind of hard to sustain the production he had as a lead closer for the Orioles for so long. So Britain and Robertson is probably like forefront of the Red Sox mind, but I could definitely see them kind of even going to a a, a lesser uh, reliever, if you will, because or maybe like multiple relievers who don't have as high of a pedigree who just prove that they're decent. Maybe like a Cody Allen on a bounce back deal or Brad Boxberger. Ooh, someone I like that. I forgot about Cody Allen. Yeah, Cody Allen uh, to me would be a really interesting one because that is, or I, even Kelvin Herrera. They almost got him at the trade deadline last year. That's what I want. I yeah, feed. I mean, there are Allen. some good guys too. I don't think they'll be in on Rubino at all. Uh, Hunter Strickland would be interesting. It's just, ooh, maybe a Junichi Tozawa reunion. Wow, that would be fun. Sergio yeah. Romo's a free agent. There are guys. Yeah, I just there's think a lot of relievers. So, yeah. Yeah. Ryan Madsen, our best friend in the World Series. Uh, Ryan let's, Madsen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's bring him. Let's bring him to the Red Sox. Oh, Justin Wilson. Circle back. Zach Putnam was one of the ones that was signed. Uh, Erasmo, here we go. Erasmo Ramirez was one that was signed. Erasmo Ramirez. And then wow. I still can't find if it was Ryan Weber or Ryan Webb. But you said it's you Ryan Weber. Okay. Guaranteed Ryan Weber. You guaranteed. Spent my life on it. Yeah. All right. Well, somebody calls you out on it. It's it's, it's all it's all you. I, oh, it definitely I, is. I just saw it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ryan Weber. I'm wrong. All right. We're cool. We're cool. We're Isn't cool. Ryan Webb like an old dude? I think he's an old dude. I think, I he think he's older. I really did like Ryan Webb at a point. Not that this is any bearing on any Red Sox related thing, but I thought Ryan Webb was pretty, yeah, pretty underrated for most of his career. Had had some good peripherals, but you know Ryan Webb probably doesn't have much of a career anymore. Actually, he wasn't he on the Dodgers recently. Ryan Webb. No idea. Doesn't matter. Let's move on to our last topic. <laughs> our last topic, the Red Sox have... So Troy Tulowitzki was released from the Toronto Blue Jays after a very disappointing career in Toronto, uh, north of the border. He held a workout for teams because he's been battled injuries. He's been underperforming. He's on the field. But, you know, Troy Tulowitzki at one point was kind of looking like a future Hall of Famer, one of the best shortstops of our generation. And now Troy Tulowitzki is a free agent. He's still not terribly old, and he still might have potential. And the Red Sox were among teams that expressed interest. Uh, Chris, do you think the Red Sox should get involved in the Troy Tulowitzki sweepstakes? And, and if they do sign him, where does he fit in? He doesn't fit in. That's why I'm going to say no. Here for, like, nothing, that's fine. But where does he fit in unless, you, unless he's like, yeah, I'll play second base? Well, that's majority. That. Again, you have too many infielders, so you need mm-hmm. like a, you need like a trader part ways with somebody. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Because I don't know. Like, I, we, you know, we had Bogarts isn't going anywhere, as far as we know. Yeah, we had that rumor earlier. We talked about last week's episode, episode thirty-three, where they were thinking about Red Sox. There were reports that the Red Sox were thinking about trading Bogarts, but that seems pretty ridiculous. I don't know if Tulowitzki would be. I'm, it would wouldn't make sense base? to trade Bogarts and then put Tulowitzki there. It doesn't make any sense. Like it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a video game move or <laughs> like something like that. But yeah, it, it it does not make sense. And they have Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt, so that would be really weird, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. Uh, Ryan Webb, by the way, is 
almost 33, and he last pitched for the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, Ryan Webb. Did he pitch last year for the Rays? No, 2016. Oh. Unless there's another Ryan Webb. Now I'm sad that Ryan Webb's gone. I'm sorry. It's okay. I apologize. I'll yeah, but, but Tulo, like, I would love to see him in a Red Sox uniform. But I don't... The only way I see it yeah, is second base. Second base is like I don't the see... only plays. But even then... Maybe he, contingency for Devers. Maybe he could play third or you move yeah. Holt Nunez to third base because Nunez is better at third base. I don't know. It could add some infield depth. But it at just the same time... It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, especially if Pedroia is healthy, yeah. which you can't really rely on that. But if Pedroia is healthy, it doesn't really make sense for where Tolbitsky would go. Yeah, exactly. But that's actually going to do it for our intro banter. Do you have any departing thoughts for the listeners? Um, Drew Pomeranz. 2019, so young. No, Where's it going to go? I'm totally, I don't know. I, out of baseball to the sun. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think Drew Pomeranz is, is amounting to anything next year. Can become an intergalactic starting pitcher in some other galaxy. My, my, I would love to see that. My departing thought is that if you have never had eggnog in your life, go buy some and drink it. I've never had eggnog in my life, and that's exactly what I was going to do. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I read your mind. Look at that. You read my mind. My gosh, Chris. Look at that anticipation there. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that's got to be mine. Go buy eggnog if you've never had it. I've never had it. And uh, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week with a – well, we'll, we'll, we'll do those. We'll do, we'll do the concluding uh, af- after this episode, after the interview, rather. So coming up here. Dave Latham's going to be interviewing Andrew Schwab, um, the Rule 5 draft pick of the minor league portion of the Boston Red Sox. Now a very interesting Red Sox prospect. So stay tuned as we switch to that. Thanks for listening to this part, guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our interview portion of the show. We've got Andrew Schwab of the Boston Red Sox organization, recently acquired in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing well, David. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well also. Um, happy the holidays are almost here. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're really excited to have you. Oh, no problem. I'm appreciative of you guys inviting me to do an interview. Thank you. All right, so let's get right into it. First off, um, congratulations on joining the reigning World Series champions. Uh, we're very excited that you are a part of the organization. So the Rule 5 draft, uh, the minor league portion at least, doesn't get that much coverage. So a lot of our listeners probably don't know too much about you as a pitcher. Could you just um, give us a little bit of a brief summary of your journey through the minor leagues and how you got to where you are today? Yes, of course. First of all, thank you. I'm excited as well to be a part of the Red Sox. Super pumped for this opportunity. But um, the Rule 5, I've been trying to explain this to people around here as well. Uh, They definitely don't gather the minor league portion. They all think that I'm on the major league roster. But um, So my path to where I'm at now, actually, I went to junior college for two years called Crowder College, and then I transferred to the University of Missouri, also known as Mizzou, for two years. And I was picked up as a senior sign my, and as a free agent and then was with the Yankees for four seasons where my first year I was in rookie ball, GCL, and uh, Appalachian League. And then my first full season I was in Charleston, and spent some time in high-A Tampa as well. And then in 2017, I broke with the high-A Tampa team and got promoted about halfway through the season to double-A, where I finished out the year really strong and then went to the Arizona Fall League that year in 2017. 
And then this past season, I was in Trenton to start the year, which is double A, and then got sent down late May, early June to high A, and that's where I struggled a little bit. And then I was there for a couple months, and the Yankees decided to release me. And then the Detroit Tigers picked me up and sent me to their double A affiliate, which is the Erie Seawolves. And then I signed my contract with the Tigers right as the World Series is getting over. So once the World Series is over, that's where my contract was signed. And then shortly after that, now I'm with the Red Sox. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, quite a journey, especially over the last uh, year or so. Um, Could you uh, tell us, so obviously the Red Sox selected you. Who um, Have you spoken with anyone in the organization about their plans for you and where you're probably going to be starting the season? Yeah, so whenever the the whole the whole thing happened on that Thursday, the Tigers called me first just to say their goodbyes and everything like that. But then shortly after, Red Sox reached out to me just to, you know, first of all, thank me and, and congratulate me and all that good stuff. But they kind of just insinuated that they have a plan for me, and they were just trying to get to know me as a pitcher a little bit about my arsenal and stuff like that. Um, I, I tried to get a little bit of a grip on where I was going to start, um, clearly, and at this point of the season, or this point of the off season, I should say, it's a little bit more secretive, and it's not, you know, there's a lot of things that can change between now and the end of spring training. Um, so that I wasn't really given an answer, but I would imagine that I would start in Portland. And so All as right. we move forward through spring training, I'll just continue to work, and we'll see what happens. That's awesome to hear. Um, I'm actually a regular at the Sea Dogs, so I hope to see you on the mound uh, quite a few times when you're there. I appreciate it. I hope so as well. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned the Red Sox are sort of like they they said they have a plan for you, but they still want to kind of feel out what it is you bring as a pitcher. Um, what is it you feel that you are best at when you're on the mound? I just feel, first of all, like the mentality I have is, is usually pretty strong as like a closer, you know, kind of going out there, it's strike one, getting ahead and just getting hitters out and just, you know, really being aggressive early in the count. Um, that's what I've mostly been known for. That's what got me through high school, got me through college, all that stuff. So, and just having that chip on my shoulder going out there and trying to prove myself has always been a good thing. So I think the, the Red Sox are really honed in on the fact that I get a lot of ground balls, especially with right-handed hitters. Um, I predominantly get right-handed hitters out most of the time, um, and the strikeout rate against them is a little bit higher than it is against lefties. So I'm just able to really, you know, especially in – today's game being a right-on-right guy and being a sidearm guy, it might actually help them later down the road further into the season and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of where their head's at. Clearly, I still have my ways of working and development. I want to be able to get left-handed hairs out more consistently and just have a better approach with pitching to them. So that's something that I'm I'm focusing on this offseason as well. That's great to hear. So you mentioned you're a side armor, which isn't really normal, especially in today's day and age where they're trying to sort of, at least from the outside looking in, it appears a lot of organizations are trying to unify uh, motion, sort of a one-size-fit-all approach to mechanics. Um, how did you develop yeah. the sidearm? Well, when I was younger in high school, I, I was even when I was younger than that, I was through hard and I had a, a bit of a command issue, which clearly it still comes up here and there in today's, uh, for me at my age now. But, um, over time, I just had to develop a way to throw strikes and with making some mechanical adjustments when I was younger, it kind of caused me to drop my slot a little bit, just kind of found that natural arm slot, which I was a little bit lower three quarter, mid three quarter in junior college. And when I got to Mizzou, I dropped a little bit more 
just because I, I felt like I could throw harder, and I was then. And then as I progressed through pro ball, it was the same thing. You know, I just I was felt natural there, felt comfortable there. My slider was really sharp then, and it, I was getting later movement, and I was getting a lot of sink and run with my fastball. So I just felt like that was the way to go. There's been a few outings I've had over the past years where, you know, I'll feel really good that day, and I might try and raise my arm spot a little bit and get on top of the ball and, and those are the times that I get, like, 95, 96 coming out. So being able to utilize that, kind of have that in my arsenal as well, is something that's going to help me uh, move forward these, this next season. That's wonderful. Um, so I was actually checking out your numbers, and um, from 2015 to 2017, your first three years, you had a 274 ERA and a 289 FIP throughout your uh, minor league career. You mentioned earlier you struggled in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. what's the plan to, I don't want to sound crude here, but what's the plan to sort of get back to the earlier career form in 2019? Oh, I don't sound crude at all. I'm, I'm honestly on the same page as that. You know, I'm trying to get back to where I was at before a little bit. And, and it's not a big change, honestly. You know, physically, I'm doing everything I need to. You know, I'm in better shape now. I feel strong. I'm feeling confident. And that's the biggest thing for me is that confidence portion. It's the mental part of the game that I just need to stay focused and go out there and have that mentality of get ahead and stay ahead and, you know, three pitches or less. You really simplify my thinking and not really try to put too much pressure on myself. And then also just going out there and having fun, you know what I'm saying? So last year I struggled a little bit with, you know, just mentally, like I said, and it was kind of getting me down in the dumps. You know, it was just one of those seasons. I feel like everybody goes through it, and, you know, that's what some of the Yankees personnel were telling me, like, you know, everybody goes through this at least once. The guys that don't go through it in the minor leagues, they'll go through it in the big leagues, and it hits them even harder. So be thankful that you're going through it now. And now that I'm in this position, you know, coming over to the Red Sox, you know, I'm, last year's behind me. I can sit down, I can look back, and I could be like, you know what, they were right. I'm ready to go. So now it's just about turning the page, getting back on the mound, going out there and getting out. That's that's awesome to hear, and I root, I'm rooting really hard for you. Nothing, wishing nothing but the best. Um, I mean, just Appreciate I've it. never seen you pitch live, obviously, but just looking at your <laughs> numbers from what you were before, you really seemed like, especially for a guy that was undrafted, most guys don't post numbers like that. So I am pretty excited to see uh, what you're going, what uh, ha- what happens with you uh, heading into 2019. Now that you're uh, with the Red Sox, um, so as far as your pitch tool goes, um. Tell us a little bit about what uh, you what you throw, what you uh, bring when you're out on the mound. So I have a four-seam fastball um, that I you normally get a little bit more run with that, and I can also throw it up in the zone. So I'm working on trying to get that that to be a little straighter, which I know it sounds weird, especially coming from what I'm normally known for, which is having a lot of movement, just so I can able to sneak that ball up and in the left hand of the hitters a little bit more. So I'll have a four-seam, I have a sinker, that I like to throw into righties and away from lefties and stuff like that and locate it. And then also I have a slider that I'm pretty much been known for since I was a kid is having that good breaking ball. So just now taking it from a curveball to a slider and dropping my slot a little bit. Now it's a little sharper. I'm trying to work on the varying of speed, throwing it behind the cow, locating it on arm side, so backdoor sliders and stuff like that. And then, of course, I have a changeup as well in which on top of that I'm trying to develop and get more comfortable with throwing it earlier in the count, throwing it for strikes, being able to throw it in two-strike counts, and not just being predominantly known as a fastball slider guy. I want hitters to, you know, realize, oh, shoot, he's got to change up too, you know. So that's something that I have as well. So you can call it a four-pitch mix, 
but it's still only three pitches. I just play with my fastball a little bit. Okay, okay, yeah, because obviously, I mean, I've never swung a major league bat or a minor league bat, but the more you can do, the more hitters have to think about, makes everything else play yeah. up, obviously. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, now that you're with the Red Sox organization, um, I know that Colton Brewer, you guys went through the system together, and there's a few others. Um, have you spoken with uh, anyone, like the players in the Red Sox organization? Have you or reached out to them, or have anyone has anyone reached out to you? I have not reached out to anybody yet, and no one's reached out to me. I think the news is still pretty fresh, especially with it being right before the holidays, so people aren't really, you know, maybe realizing what's going on. I will certainly reach out to Colton right before spring training just to catch up with him a little bit and see what's going on. Um, with Tanner Houck as well, I play with him at the zoo, so it would be a good opportunity for me to reach out to him and see how he's doing. Um, and then there's some other guys, too, that I played against growing up and even in the last few, few years being in pro ball that, you know, just familiar faces that whenever I walk into the clubhouse, I won't feel like an outcast. So I'll definitely reach out to them once we get closer and just try to make friends before I walk in there so it doesn't feel like, you know, I'm just a new guy and they're you know, like, why is he here and stuff like that. It's a little bit more like, you know, I'm a Red Sox now, so let's do this. You know what I'm saying? So um, there's definitely uh, some friends I have in the organization, and I'm looking to make some more. That's wonderful to hear. And um, you mentioned earlier in the interview that uh, you started out 2018 with the Yankees, but you actually, uh, they released you and you joined the Tigers, and now you're with the Red Sox. Do you think um sort of, in a sense, already going through the transition from one organization to another. Do you think that's going to help sort of ease the uh, the blow from doing it basically again? Uh, I think it'll definitely help. I was, you know, I was a little shocked, I guess, whenever they released me. And, you know, it definitely was a little bit of like a, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it coming at the time. Um, but whenever I went to Erie with the Tigers, I had a good buddy of mine that I played with at the zoo as well. His name's Josh Lester, position player. And then I, I had some other friends just because of him that, you know, I met him right away and we hit it off. So it wasn't too bad of a transition. I think it's a little bit different going to an affiliate in the middle of the season because there's only like 25 guys in the, in the clubhouse plus the coaching staff. So it's a little bit easier to get to know everybody. This will be definitely different for me going into a spring training where, you know, I got to the point where I was considered a veteran minor league guy in a sense. So I'm an older minor league player in the Yankee system where, you know, people were looking up to me, asking me for answers and stuff like that. So now I'm going to be a little bit in the reverse role again, being a first-year guy with the Red Sox. I'll have to go in there and figure out how the, the system works, how they, you know, move through their days and stuff like that. But I'm not too worried about it. I think I'm mature enough and old enough now to understand, you know, how to ask questions and stuff like that. But the transition to the Tigers definitely will help me moving forward with the Red Sox. Awesome, awesome. So, um, during so obviously there's no baseball going on right now. How does a minor leaguer spend their winter? Well, for me, this off season, I've been like I said before, I've been really focusing on getting in better shape and getting my body where I wanted at. Just because I I gained a lot of weight over the last couple of years, I think my metabolism finally slowed down, and all the food I've been eating finally caught up with me. <laughs> it wasn't a crazy <laughs> big gain of weight, so I was just trying to fluctuate and get back down a little bit, feeling strong, feeling like an athlete again. Um, so that's what I've been doing during the day. So Monday through Saturday, really, I work out in the mornings for a couple hours, and then I come to the facility where I work at. It's called uh, Bardo's Diamond Sports, and I actually teach a, a baseball program out here, and, and I do uh, private lessons as well. So I'm constantly thinking and focusing on baseball, just trying to get better in every way, and teaching the kids is actually something that's 
that's helping me a lot along this off season. So. Yeah, that's awesome, especially the teaching yeah. kids thing. Because actually, when I was um, when I was in younger, I want to say I was like maybe ten, eleven. I actually went to a camp that was something similar. One of the Red Sox uh, minor league pitchers, he never made it to the pros, but he was one of the instructors. And I always found it was cool being like right next to being like, oh my god, this guy's like he does and he's here teaching. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely cool. I get a lot of recognition for that. People are like. Oh wait, you play for the Red Sox now? Because literally last week it was pretty much I was with the Tigers. So everybody's a little confused on what's going on, but it literally parents, kids, you know, the staff here, everybody's coming up and saying something to me almost every day. So it's nice to to have that background, especially even playing with the Yankees before, because kids look up to that. You know, you, you look at them and they're like, "Man, I want to be in your shoes." And it's like, "Well, let's work. Let's do this." You know, so it, it helps me to get motivated and it helps me to motivate them. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. I definitely – when I was younger, I didn't really work with any pro guys, in, in my shoes at least. I always took pitching lessons and stuff like that. I had a few once I got older that played pro ball, but it was never anything like, you know, what I'm giving back and doing. So this is, it's nice to be in the, in the place that I am now and trying to help kids develop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sounds like a really a great way to spend the winter, um, you know, gets you ready and also helps teach the kids, which everyone loves. All right, oh, yeah. so um, that is probably going to do it for me. Thank you uh, so much, Andrew, for uh, coming on to the show. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. If you guys ever want to do another interview or anything, any questions, just reach out to me. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll take you up on that offer. But until then, um, enjoy the holidays, Merry Christmas, and best of luck uh, next year in the, with the Sox. Awesome. Thank you, David. Have a good Christmas as well and a, and a happy new year. I'm sure I'll be seeing you guys here in a few months. All right. Have a good one, Andrew. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for coming on the show, Andrew Schwab. That was a lovely interview conducted by our great Dave Latham. Um, You can listen to this podcast on a variety of platforms. You can go. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes. If our awesome affiliates are grueling truth, post us on their many platforms. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadios, Stitcher, among other places. So, Basically, you can find us a plethora of platforms to to hear this podcast. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Again, happy holidays, and and we'll talk to you guys, and we'll talk, and you will listen on next week's episode. Bye, guys. Go Red Sox. Bye. I need to just do like a blooper I'm gonna, reel. I'm going like, to create a blooper like... set. <laughs>
he's not coming back. <laughs> I was like, where'd he go? And uh, like, so you know how you know how when you were calling me on Google Voice, it was like, hey, yeah. you have to say your name or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he kept saying my name because he kept calling me. He had to call me like ten times. It was annoying. And oh um, he like he got to a certain point where he could just like hear his anger. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like David Latham again. <laughs> He's gonna come to the phone and murder my phone. <laughs> this is going in the bloopers, and this guy's gonna be like, this I is hate really everything. Uh, Andrew Schwab, 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 Schwab or Schwab, Schwab. I think Schwab. What is it? It's gotta Schwab. be Schwab. Hold on. Because I know like Charles E. Schwab, but this isn't, isn't there like a isn't it. there like a pronunciation somewhere or something? I looked up Baseball Reference, but I don't know if they have it for minor leaguers. I looked up Schwab, but there's no one named Schwab. Schwab. <laughs> I'm gonna guess it's Schwab. Schwab. Andrew Schwab. I bet you it's Schwab. 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 Even with the double Schwab. A? Schwab. 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 Yeah, Schwab. Definitely Schwab. Andrew Schwab. 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 Andrew Schwab. How do you we got this. I wonder if my name's in here. My, I'm not even going to look at my last name. I know. Oh, it's my in name's there. in here. What do you think? Hold on. Drosen. Drosen? Drosen. Wrong. That's also Jersey. wrong. Caution. That's also wrong. <laughs> <laughs> None of these are right. Uh, uh, no, I never made it to the league. <laughs> oh, two ball. Yeah. Kept... Afraid yeah. of the ball. I was like, I was legitimately afraid of the ball. <laughs> so like I would. No, it was uh, it was uh, life. It was life. Oh, okay. okay. It was like life a it was like a step below little league. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like. Was it out of I, like a machine? No, it was like no. like because I used to pitch. Like I used to. Oh yeah. Not all the time, but like they they would have me pitch every once in a while, and like I just couldn't hit. I was like afraid of the ball. I was just like, I don't want anything to do with this ball coming at me. That's what I'm saying. You could you could theoretically be the next Greg Kimball right now. Yeah, like like well, yeah, I could have been. Like, I could have been. I, I don't think we should give up hope yet. There's still time. I think we should. I'm 28 and ready to go. Kind of Bartolo Colonish. And uh, <laughs> you're, you're you're set. Look at Bartolo Colon. That's true. The most beloved Major League Baseball. If I can player. figure out how to locate it and throw 88. I'll be good to go. You'll be good to go. Yeah. God, where's Bartolo Colon now? He's a free agent. Is he? Oh, that's exciting. Red Sox. It's not exciting because, like, he's not going to find a contract, and then he's going to have to retire. <laughs> he, he will get a minor league contract, guaranteed. You think so? Yeah. He had a 5.7 ERA last year. Yeah, but it's Bartolo freaking Cologne. God, he debuted before I was born. That's crazy. 1997. He's, like, the only dude left. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, he had a 5.78 ERA, but his underlying numbers were even oh, worse. Geez, here we go. Oh, his underlying numbers are worse. <laughs> <laughs> they're about yeah, they're lateral. They're about the same. Holy crap, he's bad. Oh my god. Wow, that is that is ugly. Dude is throwing 3,461 innings. 
Shit. He was on the Red Sox once. Yeah, he was. Didn't, wasn't he a Saw Young contender with the Red Sox? 2008, 3.92? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it, must have been, it must have been with the Angels. Uh, Angels, 3.4 ADRA, 5.1. 293, 2002. 4.4 F Ward, That was Cleveland and Montreal. Oh, yes, that one. And then in Oakland, in 2013, at the age of 40, he had a 265 ERA. Jesus, man. <laughs> what is that? I'm telling you, he's still good to go. There's still something left in the tank. Yeah, he didn't Bartolo, do bad with the Mets either in Bartolo 2016. Colo, number five Red Sox starter. Let's do it. I went Christmas shopping at the dollar store Cause I had a long list of holiday chores Those sleigh bells jingled as I walked through the door I saw trash and tinsel all over the floor I saw stressed out husbands with stressed out wives I saw mothers with children with tears in their eyes They were crying out screaming Mother I want this As they would be reminded of the naughty list Then I saw a grandmother She was frail and gray As she walked down the aisle, she shoved me out of the way. I saw the same knuckleheads from up the street as they ripped through the store like savage beasts. I saw a dude with the bottle, he was acting hard, getting thrown out of the store by the security guard. I saw people grabbing almost anything as a gift so they could say they were finished and cross it off of the list. I saw two ladies fighting in aisle three, and that's when I said, That's enough for me. I took all of my items, I threw them down the floor without saying a word i walked out the front door when i got to the corner i looked back once more shook my head and said that was like fighting a war man i should have known better and then i swore to never go shopping at the dollar store for christmas